I want you to say this with me. Together, we are one. One with God, one with Christ. One in the Spirit, and one with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many want to hear a joke this morning to start off? Now, at main campus, I've been telling some redneck jokes, but this morning I have a, a, a little bit different joke. We're going to go back to the time of creation. You, know, you all know what happened in creation, right? God created man and woman. Anybody that's married in here knows that because of that, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> so it's okay for us to have a sense of humor in the church, amen? Um, so one night, Adam comes home late. And uh, Eve meets him at the door, and she says, you're seeing another woman, aren't you? And Adam goes, Eve, are you crazy? You're the only woman on the planet. Later that night, Adam wakes up to a tickle on his chest. And Eve's tickling him on his chest, and, and she sa he says to Eve, he goes, what the world are you doing? You woke me up. And she says, I'm seeing how many ribs you have. Now, if you didn't know, God took one rib out of Adam to make Eve. And that's why Adam declared her bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. That together they became one in flesh. Just as Christ dying on the cross gave his life so that together we could become one in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I thought that was a very fitting joke. But uh, I could just imagine something like that, you know. She's thinking there should only be one of those bad boys missing. I should only have one more rib than Adam's got. And if he's missing two of those suckers, buddy, it's off with his head, you know. I've talked about, you know, with Angie, if I mess up, I just sleep with one eye open. Uh, she's a sweetheart, though. Um, in our series, we've had a, a, our series scripture, if you will has been John 17, 20 through 23, and we're going to read that again today. And Jesus said this, he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I thought that was probably the most interesting part of that scripture is Jesus declaring that the Father's love for us would be just as the Father's love was for his Son. And when we think about uh, Jesus' sacrifice, and all that he did in dying on the cross to give his life, to shed his blood, to, to be uh, chastised, to be beaten on our behalf, everything that he took upon himself was so that he could make us one with the Father. He was the Redeemer and is the Redeemer. He was the Savior and is the Savior. You know, we talked about the names of God. One of the names that we got to last week was the I Am that he was, he always, uh, he is, and he always will be, is the real understanding of that, is that I am that I am. Basically, he can swear by nobody but himself. God has always been, 
He is and he always will be. And when we understand the nature of that, when his son came and died on the cross, last week we, we looked into the fact that when Jesus was, was speaking with the Pharisees and Sadducees and they were questioning him, and they began to talk about you know, uh, Abraham, their father, there's a point where they're referring back to basically the authority and the promise of Abraham, and Jesus has to say to them, uh, before Abraham was, I am. And he declares himself the I am that spoke with Abraham, the I am that spoke with Moses, the I am who was and is and is to come, according to the book of Revelation. When we understand that, our perspective gets a little bit different about how we live with one another and what our focus is in life. See, if we uh, are a born-again believer, we believe that there's only one way to the Father, there's only one way to inherit eternal life. Only one way. And that is to be one with Him and one with the Father. That's why Jesus prayed this prayer. We live in a society of pluralism. Anybody know what pluralism is? There's more than one way. We live in a society that's constantly bombarding people with, you do it your own way. Go your own way. There's many ways to God. As a matter of fact, there are many gods. I shared with you about being in Trinidad and uh, preaching in a church that was, uh, basically everybody was former Hindus. Anybody know how many gods Hindus have? Hundreds, thousands. I mean, they got gods for everything, man. And these people have been born again out of that and come to Christ, the one true God. Having a conversation with that pastor about that, uh, I said to him, um, you know, when, when it comes to witnessing to somebody that has so many gods, how, how do you deal with the fact that, that they will accept Jesus? This is the one thing that, that exists in that. They'll accept Jesus because it's just another God, see? Well, sure, I'll accept Jesus too. See, you can't accept Jesus too. You can't join him to your other gods. Now, we Americans don't have any other gods, right? Y'all see how I set you up for that one, didn't I? We don't have any other gods. I mean, our house is not our God. Our materialism isn't our God. Our car isn't our God. Our relationships aren't our God, right? Our, now, listen, you're talking and looking at a patriot up here. I love my country. I serve my country. I am a soldier at heart if anybody spent time with me. But we don't exalt our country above God at any time, do we? We don't ever get to that place of where we, you know, we got it together, but the whole rest of the world, they, they're just messing up, right? Oh, man, see how that one goes over in America. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. See, if we get out of, out of our backyard, what we start to realize is that, that there's a whole lot of different things going on around the world. We're the most blessed nation on the planet. Fact, hands down. You know why? Because we're a nation founded upon Judeo-Christian values. We're a nation founded upon the Word of God. If you go back and read some of the, the writings of our founding fathers, what you see is you see a people that established a nation based on being one. The United States of America, isn't that right? A nation that would not be divided against itself. But yet, you turn on the news today and you see a whole lot of division that's seeped in and found its way into this nation, isn't that right? 
And I find that God is the only one. His Spirit is the only one that can bring true unity. His Spirit is the only one that can unite us together because His Spirit is the one that fosters love in our heart. His Spirit is the one when He he comes and makes the abode of the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that they may be one just as we are one. And what does He say? That He will come and make His abode in us. I use that, that, that old term abode. What is it? His dwelling place. That in you, you are the temple of the... So it's the Holy Spirit. When you make place in this flesh temple, in this body of yours, mind and heart, when you make a place for Him, He comes and He occupies you. And when He comes and occupies that space inside of you, that temple... He, meaning God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who they are, are present and meant to be manifested out of your life. No matter what the world pressures you to do, what, no matter what the world tries to draw you to do, there's something going on, on the inside of you that causes you to be able to be just a little bit different. And people take notice. This is what Jesus meant when he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Wait a minute, wasn't Jesus the light of the world? Yes, he was. And when he ascended, guess what? He deposited and left his light in the earth, and he chose to do that in his body, in the church, in each and every one of us as as individuals. You know, the Bible declares this. It says that, We are living stones, one set upon another, being built into a place of a holy habitation for the presence of God, that the presence of God would dwell in us. When we are all worshiping together, there's that point where where we're not thinking about, did I turn the stove off? Did I shut the garage door? Did I? You know, when we come and it's like, man, where are we going to go eat lunch today? I hope pastor's quick today because I got some things I want to do. You're all too serious this morning. Do I need to tell another joke? <laughs> Am I right? Yes. But there's something that happens when the presence of God sets down and we abandon all of that to enter in together in that sense of corporate worship that together we become one by the Spirit of God drawn into His throne room. And in that moment, we sense what it is to be one with him and one with each other. And in that place, we get a taste. Say taste. It's not the fullness of it, but we get a little taste of what eternity is going to be like. The Bible declares in Revelation that we will surround the throne of God and will worship night and day. There will be no end to worship in heaven. We come in and we do you know, four or five songs. If we went longer than that, or, you know, you, you got half of you start, man, come on, hurry up. I've got a football game's going to start, you know? And, and I want to apologize for Damon's declaration that you're a heathen for watching football. No. <laughs> I know that's not what he meant. We do get caught up in other things, don't we? And it has a way of eroding that ability to be one together with him and each other. I, this morning, you know, I had a number of things that I wanted to talk about. And I really felt today the most important thing was to go to Scripture and to really bathe what we're 
talking about with this idea of being together as one with enough scripture that we don't forget it amen let me leave you with these thoughts under galatians 3 26 through 28 and we'll move on to some other scriptures galatians 3 26 through 28 says for you are all sons of god through faith in christ jesus for as many of you as were baptized into christ have put on christ there is neither jew nor greek there's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The three primary thoughts in that passage, and then we'll move on to some other scriptures that really just embellish upon this idea of being one together in Christ, in God, in the Spirit, and with one another, with all the gifts and all the promises and everything that God has established for us to be as the body of Christ. But here's the three thoughts out of Galatians uh, 3, uh, 28. It's really saying we're one family of God in Christ through faith. You're all sons. Now, I know you're not all guys in here or boys in here, so it's kind of hard to be a son if you're a gal, right? But it's sonship. It's kind of like mankind. The declaration of this passage is saying that we're all sons. And you see why it's because... We're one with Christ in baptism. There's something that happens in the spirit for us. As long as we're in this earth, we'll be in these bodies, defined by male or female, black, white, Hispanic, you know, um, uh, Indian, whatever it may be, defined by this flesh in a sense to us. It's the one thing that, that physical nature around us that can somehow seep in and cause separation and division. It has a way of dividing us rather than us being united. And what's being declared in this passage is that stuff doesn't matter anymore. When you come into Christ, you can be one because we don't look on the outer appearance. We look at what God looks at. You know, the Bible declares that God doesn't look on the outer appearance. He looks at the heart. Angie's heart... Uh, Angie is type A positive, right? Blood. So if I need a liver, I can get it from, you know, if I need something from Angie, I can get it because I'm type A positive as well. It's really cool. And type A positive produces type A positive. So Vanessa, if dad gets old and needs one of your, you know, <laughs> internal organs, you know, I'm coming to you. <laughs> See, there, there's something about that, that in her, you know, her body parts function the same as my body parts. Do you realize that? And you'll see why I'm talking about that in a moment. The outer appearance doesn't matter. If the outer appearance is what matters, then many times we miss what God is trying to give us through that other person because they too are gifted by the Spirit of God when they're born again. So, we're one in Christ without prejudice, bias, or chauvinism. Heavy? We see it every day. I see it all the time. A man who can't respect a woman. You know, black and white. You know, it's, it's kind of like watching our politics now. It makes me sick. I just don't even like it. I don't believe that we should be influenced by what's going on in the world. We should be the ones that are influencing the world to come this way. 
Come the way of Christ because it's a better way. Jesus said that. I show you a better way. <laughs> and this is the way he was talking about. Being one with him. Do you know when that's the case? When none of those things matter? Because, you know, all the, all the stuff you see, the politicking that goes on in our world, and I don't just mean our government, and everything that you see, all that politicking is this group pitted against that group trying to get, you know, what they want, you know, and the other group has to give it up. And Am I right? This group's got control of it, and they don't want to uh, give over control of it. And it's this squabbling and fighting over stuff, over carnal things. Carnality should not be the thing that dominates the people of God. Could you say amen to that? <clears throat> Romans 12, 3, uh, 3 through 8. Amen. The, the part that I didn't have in our scripture up here is that be not conformed to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world does not look like the king. Thanks, Vance. I appreciate that. It doesn't look like heaven. It doesn't look like God's pattern. That's why all those, all those barriers that can exist in this world disappear in God. They disappear in Christ. Do you know, even, even for the Jews, they had, and it's called this wall of partition, a wall of separation. That the law, people, if, if they didn't keep the law, guess what? They're put out. And if they violated the law to a specific degree, if they did certain things, they're taken outside the city wall and stoned to death. That what Christ came to do is to fulfill the law and bring together. He is the chief cornerstone that brings that together. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it, knowing that we could never fulfill it and offer us grace so that we could walk in his ways by grace, not, not law. Because in that, we all fall short of it, and there's only one hope that we have. See, I wasn't the pattern that existed. Jesus came, and, and he was cut from a different mold. The amazing thing about his price is that he offers us the ability to walk in that grace and in his power to be like him. And when we're like him, we're just a little different. We don't see things the same way. We don't allow the worldly patterns to affect us, but rather we become an effect on it. You know, we've got this convention coming up this, in, the, in uh, June of this year that Gateway Church, all of our campuses are coming together to serve about 300 ministers that are coming from all over the nation and even around the world to come to our city for Open Bible, and we are the host church. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. It's an opportunity for us to serve. It's an opportunity for us to, to give to those who are giving to people all the time and to pour out into their lives. But you know what's the, the most amazing thing for me in the midst of this is to think about that we have an opportunity to display Christ's love and to be like him, to be one and display that in our service, in our community. You know, one of the things that I told our national president is I said, you know, this needs to be something that impacts our city because I'm tired of people saying, I've never heard of Open Bible. So you say, yeah, we're part of Open Bible churches. Like, I've never heard of them. When I hear that, here's what it says to me. It says that we are not impacting our city. You know what's worse? Is the percentage of, 
And I don't want to be negative about it. It's, it's more, these are realities that we need to face. Nobody knows who we are. But what's worse is how many people do not know who Jesus is. And that there's so many Christians that live in our community. And they don't really know who he is. That's why we need to be one. Because I believe the thing that stands between us in the world in the sense of them knowing who Jesus is and understanding the love of Christ is the fact that we are not together. That we let worldly things divide us. We let carnality seep into the church, into our lives, and it begins to divide us from the purpose and the cause of Christ. And we no longer look like Him. And no one's drawn to it. Why do I say that? By your love for one another, the world will know you're my disciples. The very prayer that Jesus prayed, the Father, we would be, as we are one, that they would be one just as we are one, and that the world would know that you have sent me. Right there, Jesus ties the fact that we are one body in Christ, that if we know how to walk in that and receive that, the world's going to look at us and go, that, they belong to Jesus. Not, they got all these problems that I got enough problems, so I don't need to go to church and have problems. I don't need to go to church to, to, to hear bickering and fighting and squabbling and over, over carnal things, over silly things. I don't know if anybody's doing it. I'm just saying that the church as a whole in America needs to wake up. We need to wake up to what it is to walk in the love of Christ, to be one with each other. We've, we sense somebody hurting. We need to move to that hurt. Since someone in need, we need to move to that need. We need to be the kind of people that honestly and truly reflect the love of Christ. Why did he come? He came to be served, didn't he? Didn't Jesus come so we could all serve him? Why did Jesus come? He came to serve. He said it to his disciples. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. When he, when he uh, girds himself with the, the uh, towel and kneels down and begins to wash, wash his disciples' feet, he was displaying that for them to know, I'm your servant, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Deity. God himself. Emmanuel, right? We say that at Christmas time. Emmanuel, God with us. It was God with us. And when God came among men, God knelt at the feet of men and washed. God knelt at the feet of men to serve. God hung on a cross to save us. We can't neglect the salvation that we have in us. Can't keep it to ourselves and, man, I thank God I'm saved. I get to go to heaven and never share it with people. We've got to find creative ways to share that. I, uh, would you grab my phone and bring it here, please? I've shared with a number of you about these guys I'm working out with at, uh, at Villa. And we work out all the time together. And uh, they're, they're putting a hurting on me, man. That's all I got to say. And my wife's like, you look good, honey. And I'm like, <laughs> no pain, no gain, right? So I'm saying that... Uh, this guy, Jack, I really like him. You know, he's rough around the edges. <laughs> man, but what a good man he is. 
and I can see it. He loves his family. He just he doesn't have a deep relationship with Christ. He grew up going to church some. I got to admit, there's times, and I'm sorry to cry. I know for you men, it's like, what the world is this dude's problem? I used to feel that way too. I hate crying. I do hate it because it's just so, it seems so wimpy. You're right, Vance. It seems so stinking wimpy, man. I worked out with him at the gym, and I took Jack home, drove him home. And Jack texted this to me. He said, I want to tell you that you're a good man. I just don't say that to guys either. (laughs) But God has a real soldier, and it's about time. Now, this is the rough around the head. Now go kick some butt. (laughs) I was telling Ange, you know, Jack opened up and shared how he got out of being in a gang with me. And a little 12-year-old kid came up to him in the park and asked him to get him a, a gun so he could kill this kid that was bullying him. And Jack said, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm running this gang. I got all these people that work for me. And their kids, it's like they call me Uncle Jack because, you know, I was kind of like their uncle in a sense because their mom and dad worked for me or whatever. And this kid asked me for a gun, and he said, man, it just brought me to tears. I couldn't believe it. And he said, uh, I just got in my car, and I drove over to the school to talk to the principal of the school and tell him what was going on. But, of course, would you bring me some more tissue? Uh, but, of course, you know, Jack's kind of, pretty rough around the edges, very rough around the edges at that time. And the principal told him to get out of there. So Jack, being rough around the edges, says, if you don't get the cops here or somebody here that's going to help this kid so he doesn't mess his life up like I messed mine up growing up, I'm going to kick your... And you get the point. (laughs) And Jack said that they called the cops. (laughs) And they came, they got the kid help, and Jack ended up, you know, of course, having to answer for it. And it started him on his road to turning his life around. You know, I think about that. that People do come to the end of things and want to turn their life around. I really think those are the great moments to meet Christ. But anytime's a great moment. Jack's got his life together pretty well. And it just came down to working out with him and building some relationship, talking about the Lord a little. And uh, really, it's him doing, God's doing the work. I'm just kind of yielding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The interesting thing is he chose to seek and to save the lost by the power of the Holy Spirit through us, our witness. His blood was shed, and it's connected to one other thing. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You want to see hell push back. You want to see all the negative that hell brings in this earth pushed back. And the light of God shine, let it out. Share your testimony. Witness to people about Christ. Look, you don't have to take a Bible and smack them around with it. You just got to get the word in you 
and, and look for those opportunities where you can share it. Amen. Understand that, you know, it's kind of like when we're singing here today, when I'm up here singing at the top of my lungs, look, when I first gave my life to Christ, forget that, it's not happening. You understand? If somebody had been like, you know, hey, just you get up here and say, I'm like, I'm not getting up nowhere. I'm not singing like that. I'll just, you know, I'll sit right here in my little bubble and worship God. And if somebody would have forced me to do that, I'd, I'd have told them to get to stepping or I'd have got to stepping. You know, this stuff isn't for me. You got to understand, people don't jump like to the top rung of the ladder in their walk with Christ. They're not passionate necessarily. All those things may not exist. But you know what our job is? Is to be a witness so that they can be influenced that they can see that as we are one with him and one with each other, what's not attractive about that? What's not attractive about a heavenly father that loves us so much that he would give his only son, the son of God that is willing to give his life for us, and the Holy Spirit that's willing to come and teach us all about that? What's not attractive about that? And what's not attractive about a people who love God and love each other and are willing to go and teach others about that and use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given them for it. I don't know anything that isn't attractive about that. And I think the reality is, is that, you know what, people were not repelled by Jesus. They were drawn to Jesus. And when we tell his story of love and how that love has impacted us and share that love, I, I have a feeling, just like I've been watching it, have an impact on these new people that are in my life and I'm so so thankful that the Holy Spirit convicted me that you are not sharing your testimony anymore you're not connecting you know what Derek you don't enjoy being around sinners anymore and you used to you like being with the saints yes I do I love the saints of God I love that we worship I love that we care for the word but you want to know something I am falling head over heels in love with what Jesus loves he was accused of eating with sinners and publicans, wasn't he? People that don't deserve to be among us righteous folk. And we need to, to care about what Jesus cares about. We've got to gird our loin with the towel and kneel at people's feet and wash, serve them. You know, I don't know what that looks like in your life, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit does. And if you engage him, become one with God, one with the Lord and, and by spirit, I guarantee you, he'll give you those opportunities. He'll show you exactly where you ought to be ministering. Listen to this. <clears throat> Out of Romans uh, 12, 3 through 8, again. For I say through the grace given to me. You can't minister any other way but the grace that God's given to you. To everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. Look, I don't know what that measure looks like for you and how it operates and works in people's lives according to your testimony and God working in and through you. But you got to figure that out with the Lord. Here's the deal. I'm 20 plus years, 21 years, 20, almost well, 22 years in my walk with Christ. I've studied. I read thousands of books. I've read the Bible through and through. I've sat under teaching. I've uh, preaching, gone to Bible classes, studied theology. I've done all those things. And then somehow in the midst of that, I'm like, why am I not winning souls? Because I had no focus there. I had a man tell me, Derek, you want to see, see something in your church? Preach on it. You want to see healing? Preach on it. You want to see salvation? Preach on it. You want to see people you know, set free? Preach on it. 
You want to see solid families? Preach on it. You want to see good marriages? Preach on it. I think it's some of the wisest advice I have ever heard in my life. Is that if, we're, if it's not in front of us, we're not going to live it. And that has to do with vision. Habakkuk 2 and 2. Write the vision. Make it plain so that he that reads it may run. What's your vision? What's you and God? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What's the vision for your life? Write it out and pursue it with everything you have. Don't let anything distract you from it. Because you'll be disappointed with life. But fulfilling what God's called you to do, there's nothing quite like it. And Vance read it in that passage so that you'll know what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 19. We'll finish up with these scriptures. 12, 12 through 19. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. It's just saying, look, all of us in Christ show forth Christ. We are Christ. We're not the Christ. We are the expression of Jesus Christ in this earth. God chose it to be that way. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. There it is again, one in God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit baptized into that one body. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If your foot like looked up at your hand and said, I'm not part of you. Your brain would say, foot, you're crazy. <laughs> your foot, your leg, every part of you is a part of your body. You'll see in a, in a moment here. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing... Where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? I said this one time in a teaching. If you were to, it's like, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend, and it's just like a, a blob of flesh laying on the ground. You know, hey, here's my friend, and out of that, out of that blob, it's like, how you doing, you know? How many of you get like, yeah, that looks like a human being. You'd be thinking, dude, where's his body? And I think when, when, when the church, when we're not assembled, see that together in the love of Christ is what causes us to be assembled. Why? Because we have this nature in us of preferring our brother or sister above ourself. And when we have that kind of attitude, what happens is it's amazing how the body works together in sync when we have an attitude of love, acceptance, and putting that other person first. And them doing likewise, if you feel honored and respected by others, and you honor and respect others, again, how many of you are repelled by that kind of environment? But if you see bickering and fighting and envy and strife, this is what Paul the Apostle said, and backbiting and gossip, Paul says, will you not devour yourself? Will you not be accountable and just eat yourself up? You know, those things don't fit in the church and should never be in the church because the world is repelled by it 
To look like Christ is to be, be united in Christ and to walk in that love towards one another. And not to let, this is why Paul said, you know, not to, to think yourself more highly than you, ought, than you ought. None of us should. Because when we think ourselves more highly than we ought, what happens is, is that's where the envy and strife starts to enter in. But when we elevate that other person above ourselves and recognize what God's doing in them and encourage them, and they do likewise, it creates an atmosphere that looks like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says this. Paul the Apostle says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I think in, in simplest form, here's the deal. That when we choose that I, I will not allow myself to be divided in relationship with God. To have a consistent relationship with God, I need to recognize who His Son is in my life. And for that to be, I need the Holy Spirit to be my teacher. So when you open the word of God, because this is what the word declares, it says you have no need. I'm standing up here teaching you, and yes, we can receive from one another. But you know the Bible says that you have no need of another man to teach you? I can honestly say the greatest teaching that I've ever had in my life is my yieldedness, I should say, my yieldedness to the Holy Spirit as I'm reading the word of God. Because he quickens and inspires me with things from the word that become a part of my life. And when that happens, when I share that with somebody else, they're going, wow, that's pretty powerful. You want to know something? There's things in you that God inspires that when you share it, I have the same thought. Wow, that's awesome. In other words, Paul the Apostle said this. He said, while you ought to be able to teach, you have need that I teach you, still teach you the elementary things. Are you not carnal? Paul exhorts the people of God saying, look, don't be carnal. Be a spiritual people. Press into the things of God. Be in his word and allow the Holy Spirit to quicken, quicken that mortal flesh. You got mortality kicking around all the time. But let the Spirit of God quicken you and cause the things of the kingdom to come down. We are to seek things that are above, not beneath. Isn't that what the scriptures teach us? And when we open ourselves up to that, you know what we really become? It's like the lights that are in here. There's pipes. You know, there's no juice in this building. It's wired into Mountain View Electric. There's a source of power that's fed there. We are like those conduits. We are like these fixtures, in a sense, in this flesh. This flesh will one day be gone. They are like the fixtures that if we allow God in our life, what happens is these fixtures show something that's otherworldly, that's divine by nature, that pours through us and touches people. And here's the deal. They know that you are just as fallible as they are. They know you're a human as well. And then they start to think, well, if God can do that for them, then maybe God could do that for me. 
Have you ever thought that when you encountered somebody? I have. Many, many times. Somebody shares their testimony, and I'm thinking, Jesus died on the cross for them, provided that for them, and I'm thinking, well, if he did that for them, he'll do that for me. And guess what that gives credence to from Scripture? That God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't respect me any more than he respects you. He respects us all equally. You want to know something? You can impact people. You can do whatever it is that God intended you to do if you'll just tap into it. If you'll just get with him and find out, God, what do you have for me? That is a consistent prayer in my life. God, what is it that you have for me? What do you want me to do? How do you want, and I'm going to say, how do you want to bless me? How would you like to bless me? You know the initial thing that I can reflect upon that God has blessed me with? My number one prayer. You have not because you ask not. And there's something I ask out of desperation and faith towards God that he rewarded me with in this life that I celebrate each and every day. At nine years old, when I prayed that prayer, because of the violence and the divorce and all the junk that my family went through, my mom and my dad, and the abuse of my stepfather, I remember nine years old praying a prayer out that God answered at 19 years old. If you give me a wife who will love me and never leave me through anything, I'll give you my life. You want to know something? At 19, when he quickened this mortal flesh, when he got a hold of me and said, Derek, I want you to give me your life. It's time because I've given you that woman and it's time for you to give me your life. And no hesitation was there. Pick up the phone. Hey, when I get back, I want to go to church. My life changed in that moment. And I have been able to walk out and live out a promise of God to me that at nine years old, I made a request for. And then on top of that, that I, my family would serve the Lord. That my children would love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Forgive me for crying. That my kids would love the Lord. And there's times where I'm thinking, God, you promised me. Anybody ever been at the altar going, okay, wait a minute. They, they are not looking like that prayer. And I'm the pastor of the church, so that ain't going to work either. Now, there's, there's one thing I've always kind of come back to. I would cease to be the pastor of this church if it meant I was going to sacrifice my family for it. Do you understand that? My family is my first ministry. And so to watch my children come through those struggling stages, and it was uh, like I shared with you, everyone falls short of the glory of God sins and falls short of the glory of God. Isn't that right? And when God starts showing me, Derek, your kids sin and fall short of my glory too. I'm like, uh-uh, not my kids. <laughs> but I'll never forget. It's that, the, that's why Scripture, hearing a rhema, hearing God speak to you about a passage of Scripture gives you a revelation that, that causes you to understand, illuminates your heart so that you can live in it. Because as I started to become legalistic with my kids, like, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. What God showed me is, Derek, you'll push them further away because the law gives birth to sin. You've got to know how to show them grace to draw them to repentance, kind of like me, he says. It's my kindness that leads mankind to repentance. Amen. Was it God's meanness that led you to repent? Or was it when you recognized how good he is to you to give his son so that you could 
have a way to come to him. And when you recognize that, like the prodigal son, we, we, we go to meet the father to let him know how bad we are. And for some reason, we meet God and he cloaks us <laughs> with a cloak of righteousness. <laughs> he puts a ring on our finger, the signet ring to say, you're family. And he puts sandals on our feet. What is that? He gives us our dignity back. And I am so thankful that God, along the ways where, you know, it's, it'd be great if it was just a straight and narrow and you never deviate, right, in your walk. And, but yet you get off at times and, you, you know, and that's not just like I went and sinned and did this. It's, it can be how we're raising our kids. It can be how we're responding to other people. And God will get a hold of you in that. He <laughs> set your feet on the straight and narrow. And I am so thankful to have watched him do that. Why? Because my family, together, we're one. And you know what? That's attractive to me. I love and enjoy what our family does. Now, if you don't have that, that's not to condemn you. It's just to say, hey, you can have that too. But as a local church, it's no different than a family. And that's why the Bible says that if a man is to rule in the house of God... He needs to have his own house in order. I've always kept first things first with that. And there's been a couple times I'm going to embarrass my kids a little more. No, don't. I'm going to embarrass them. That's okay. Uh, the, the thing is, is that I know those times when I said, look, if, if you can't understand the importance of us being this way as a family, then I can't be a pastor. Because I can't even help you understand that. And, and how that dawns on them, like, wow, my life affects all these other lives. Yep, and so do yours. The way we believers live our life affects everybody around us. And more so, to understand the importance of together we are one is that by our love for one another, the world knows we're his disciples. And if we don't foster that oneness in God, then what hope do they have of finding him unless there's a people who will go and proclaim and I close with this statement. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Right? How will people know if no one goes and preaches? That's the need. God chose to partner with you and I to win mankind. And thank God for whoever witnessed to you, hey? I know the people that witnessed to me, I am so thankful that they shared the gospel with me and I came to understand that Jesus gave his life so that I could be one with the Father and that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit so that I could walk in the way of the Lord and be guided by the Holy Spirit each and every day and understand his word. Because when I read the Bible prior to the Holy Spirit inspiring it, I got to tell you right now, I'm like, man, this is like Greek, man. It really is. <laughs> Pun intended, right? And it was like, I just don't understand this. I can't understand. I can't understand. But when the Holy Spirit began to set down upon the word, all of a sudden I understood. But it wasn't an outward understanding. It was an inner understanding that began to transform the outside of my life. Amen? Stand to your feet. I asked Pastor Warren if he would close us today in prayer, our, our Mesa Ridge campus pastor. and So he's going to come and close us in prayer and send us on our way today. Though the Father has 
many names. He represents himself in so many ways to so many people. Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai, the Rophi, the Shalom. Yet he is one God. That Christ is the great I am. That he is, that he was, and yet he is to come. Heavenly Father, continue to make us one in Christ. Baptizing us in his love, in his compassion, and in his caring for others. Heavenly Father, let it start right here inside these four walls. And let it spread throughout our communities. For though we may be Mesa Ridge campus and the Black Forest campus and the main campus, Lord God, we are really a community who is reaching our community. Heavenly Father, thank you for making us one body, though many members. Lord God, continue to build up that measure of faith within, a, within us and make it strong inside of us. Help us walk worthy of our calling. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father in all. Heavenly Father, wrap your loving arms around us in those times when we don't feel like we're one body. Always remind us that we are one in you and that we can never be anything else unless we are one in you. This morning I close by speaking a blessing over you as we go. That the Lord bless you and keep you. That the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and that he would give you peace. Heavenly Father, this morning, we declare that we love you and that we pour out ourselves upon an altar of praise and worship to you. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And everyone said, amen. Be blessed.